Welcome to The Lead, a podcast where we learn how to get ahead in the media industry from the people who did it. I'm Noelle Lashley. In the first episode of season four of The Lead, I talked to former senior executive producer Mark Shaven. After graduating from the University of Georgia in 1979, Shaven started his career in Florida as a print reporter for the Jacksonville Journal and United Press International. He changed paths in 1983 when he started at CNN, and he fell in love with the broadcast industry. Over the course of his career in Atlanta, he produced newscasts for 11 Alive, Fox 5 Atlanta, and WSB-TV. Now he's back at UGA for an MFA program in narrative nonfiction. In this episode, we talk about the challenges of balancing work and life demands as journalists, how to handle big career changes, and the reasons why good writers are also good readers. Thank you again for doing this with sure. me. Even though it was kind of an adventure to find a, a free quiet space, space in modern <laughs> civilization. Before you came here, you were working on your book? Yes. So I'm uh, writing a book about memory loss in a Southern family and how it upended the power dynamics and the role of roles within this uh, household. So I'm writing that book, which I actually started on when I was a student at Georgia. 40-something years ago. And after working in journalism for all those years in between, I'm back where I started. I'm getting a Master's of Fine Arts at the Grady College, and I'm tackling this book again. Full yeah, circle. Completely full circle. It's yeah. interesting to me because I came from an English writing book mm -hmm. background. Sure. And then I got into journalism, and it's such a different kind of writing that I feel like it's I kind of had different. to unlearn everything. What's that like, transitioning back to this? Uh -huh. I worked in TV news stations for you know, most of my career. I started off with the newspapers and then transitioned to um, television. But always while I was working in television, I worked at my own writing, off and on. So it wasn't um, like I gave it up totally. It's funny, I just... Um, I had to write an essay for my MFA, and I went back to journals that I kept in 1981 when I was starting out as a reporter. And even then, you know, I'm talking about this book that I'm writing right now. So anyway, so the writing, you know, it's very different in television. It's short. It's concise. The writing I'm doing now is very different from that. It's a different world. As a producer, you would write a lot of the show, correct? Well, I did. I wrote a lot. I copy edited a lot. You know, what's really what I find so different here now is in my life is that I used to be in a busy newsroom with all that noise going on around you, the assignment desk and the reporters and the conviviality and the joking around and the rushing around and the the anger, the fun, the everything that makes up that combustible mix. Now I'm in this quiet space writing this book day after day. You know, I miss that environment, but I love what I'm doing now. It's hard to know what you're missing when you're not in a thing. Different experiences at different yeah. times yeah. in your life. Yeah, so I'm just exercising different muscles is the way I think about it in terms of the writing I'm doing now. How did you get into producing in the first place if you started 
writing this book? So in the ver- in the beginning, you know, of my career, you know, I, I um, was not really that interested in television. I was interested in writing and uh, books, those worlds, and. Uh, you know, I moved out to Los Angeles. I was a copy boy at the Los Angeles Times. I wrote a few op-ed pieces. I ended up coming back to the South to restart my search for a reporter job. Got a job as a newspaper reporter in Jacksonville, Florida. Then a job as a reporter for United Press International in Miami. Took a year off after that to write this book, <laughs> which has dogged me, haunted me my whole life. Uh, and then uh, transitioned into TV. Friend told me about an opening at CNN. I loved television, you know? It was just, I like, I'm a visual person. So, you know, I was interested in film as a student. And so television is a visual media, storytelling medium that I really, really appealed to me. What was unexpected was how much I loved producing. As I worked my way from being a writer into a producer, I found I loved being in the control room. I loved sort of being, uh, it felt like I was, you know, at the controls of like a 747, you know, big airplane. And all this was entrusted to me to tell stories. And so I thought that was amazing. So I produced newscasts for many, many years. At the same time, I could do writing in my own time. When my first child was born and she got to the age where she was writing um, her ABCs, we, and she was very curious, you know, we wrote letters together. And those letters became a book that was published when she was seven years old, I think. And uh, it's called Naomi Wants to Know. Letters from a Little Girl to the Big, Big World. So I wrote the sort of connective tissue in that book that threaded those letters together. That was a way to express myself away from television. I know a challenge for a lot of journalists is keeping the other parts of your life alive because we're in such a consuming Absolutely. Great point. Yeah. That mm -hmm. I'm seeing that happen and I'm in college, let alone for when I graduate. You're absolutely right. I always think of it as like you're juggling, you know, and you have all these balls up in the air that you're juggling and you want to have as many of them up as you can at one time, knowing that some will be down at any given point. So, yeah, you don't want to lose, you don't want to give everything to your career to the point that that's all you have because your career is not going to love you back. And it's interesting to talk to you because not only do you have this book throughout your life that you've uh-huh. kept alive and are working uh-huh. on now, but you've also had a successful producing career. You have a family, you uh-huh. have kids. Yes. Yeah. The interesting thing too is just, I think, is that my youngest is in college. I'm in college. My wife says I have two children in college. I have t- two in college, you know, <laughs> <laughs> me and our youngest. And uh, fortunately I have a supportive spouse and what I found in returning to this this writing project, this book, is that I'm now going back and interviewing people who I interviewed some 40 years ago. And so it's a book about a man who lost his memory, but in a larger sense that I'm still figuring out, it's all it's about the memories that we keep over time. You know, what do these people remember after 40 years? In some cases, you know, they don't have episodic memories of memories of events, but they have memories of sort of the feeling of what it was like to be around a man who had no memory. It'd be amazing to interview someone 40 years after the first time that you... Oh, it's like a sociological study in a way. You know, I'm bringing these people interviews that I, you know, the transcripts and I'm reading from them. And in some cases they're going like, oh, wow. Like it's another person. It's not them. 
who told me these things all those years ago. But then they're telling me things they didn't tell me back then, things they maybe didn't feel at liberty to tell me in some cases. I love seeing, whether it be a news story or a book series or anything, when the reporter or whoever can go back to the person mm-hmm. and see the changes that have happened yeah. in our industry. We can be so spot news so in the moment. Yes. And we need to do that. Right. But I love to look for those deeper threads of... Yeah, it got, you, you, you then have, I guess, context and real meaning comes out of going back. You know, sometimes when people are in the middle of chaos, they are just trying to get by, trying to survive the day. But you get real meaning, I think, too, when you go back, sometimes years later or a year later, and they have that added perspective of time. I've noticed that in newsrooms, too, mm-hmm. when I've interned. It's really interesting yeah. to talk to people about stories uh-huh. that they did a year ago. Yes. I remember I interned in Macon, Georgia, uh-huh. at the WGXA, the Sinclair Affiliate, sure. and they had covered this murder, mm-hmm. this really bad murder, that just shook the whole community. The reporters and producers who were working on it were telling me about how it had affected them as the year oh, by absolutely. how they interacted differently with stories because of it. And it's always interesting to see the effect it has on the people who tell them too. This brings something to mind, which is, well, I think local news does a lot of things well. You know, they get local news gets a bad rap as being all about blood and guts and the easy way. Well, it isn't ever easy to be a local news reporter. You know, you work very hard, day in and day out, sometimes telling multiple stories on multiple topics. And these local reporters who most recently standing out in those freezing temperatures with the wind chill, uh, you know, it's hard. Um, And it's easy to, as an observer, to be flip about what that job is like. So it's very hard to be a reporter. But what I've noticed in the year and a half, really, that I've been out of television is... I said to my wife one day, wow, you know, Atlanta just seems like it's gotten to be much, much safer, a much safer city. And then I just sort of thought, well, of course, you know, I'm not immersed in that coverage day in and day out. That tells me that as a human being, I was affected, you know, by that daily exposure because you really have to keep up with those stories as a producer and a writer. What are the new developments? Um, Like you were talking about that story in Macon. It can't help but have an effect on you. But that's why you have to have a balanced life and other things going on, because you can't just live your career. How do you balance your life in journalism? Because if you're covering Atlanta, producing Mm -hmm. in Atlanta, and you go off the clock for the day, if you uh-huh. turn your phone off or you turn off your email notifications, the news doesn't stop. And that's an issue I've heard of a lot with my friends who are working now is that right. if they turn off, they miss something. But if they don't, yeah. then they can't unplug. Them. That's very hard to navigate that balance. I mean, I always, when I was on vacation, would keep up with the news. Now, you know, it was, there wasn't always the internet, obviously, and social media. You know, sometimes it was going to Hilton Head on summer vacation and finding a newsstand box that sold the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and being able to keep up that way. I remember when I worked at CNN, I mean, we're talking about in the early 80s, and going to Jamaica 
And it was on in the bar in the hotel I was in. I mean, that's a long time ago, but I was like, wow, they're the, you know, they would take a bump shot and I'd be like, there's, those are the people I know sitting there at those desks. We're talking about the early 1980s. But anyway, I always felt like I had to stay plugged in. That way, when I would come back from vacation, I would know all the developments in a story. So I didn't feel like I could disengage. I would come back, and also because I was a producer and, a, and an executive producer, a senior executive producer, you know, I felt like I had to know the stories inside and out. And so it was not unusual to come back from vacation, sit down at my desk, be copy editing news for the newscast, and be like, wait, wasn't this guy arrested? Didn't they make an arrest in this story? And people who would been working had not kept up with the stories, you know, that I had kept up with on vacation. I'm not flattering myself. I'm just saying, yeah, I get it. You know, you do have to stay plugged in, particularly as a reporter. If you have to pick up that story when you come back, you know, you don't want to miss the developments and embarrass yourself in front of your colleagues or on television, but you can still have another life. It doesn't have to be your whole life staying plugged in. Other than balancing your work and your personal life, what would be your main piece of advice for students who want to become producers? It's to be interested in everything. It's, you know, read widely, both news and books in general. Be a literate person. You know, I always tell people, you know, read the New York Times, for instance, even the stories you're not interested in, you'll get interested in because those are some of the finest writers. You'll learn something. Don't just skim. Read the Washington Post if you can, and if you can read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and, and then, you know, there's so many other great websites out there that are delivering news. But then also read books, you know, read nonfiction, read fiction. It's just going to make you a more interesting, smarter, I think, more cultured, more intellectually curious person. I remember this phrase that I love and I've kept with me my whole life. Not all readers are writers, but all writers are readers. Yes, that's absolutely the truth. Yeah. I used to think, you know, I'm in this MFA program, we're reading a lot of books, you know, um, every semester. And I used to have a feeling of, oh, if I read when I'm writing, it's going to taint when I'm writing. I'm going to adopt that voice. But I found that really it's very useful to read, see what, see what, see how people, um, how writers um, put their works together, you know, in a successful way. And I find that I'm reading so much, there isn't any one voice that's changing my voice, but I'm learning what works by reading a lot. It challenges you and breaks you outside the little boxes mm -hmm. that you get into with our yeah. writing. So you, what I want you to do, here's what I would recommend as a, as a, you know, the front end of your career is keep a journal. Don't get overly frustrated in your first jobs because they will frustrate you. You'll feel like your, your, your bosses, your editors, your managers, whoever don't understand you or what it is you're trying to accomplish. Be patient. I mean, push, push yourself. But know that those, that those first jobs are not going to be perfect jobs. Don't expect them to be, um, and you'll be a much happier person. I expected each job early on <laughs> to be the perfect job, and it just, I would find myself very frustrated early on. But a journal, the value of keeping a journal is just, um, it will keep you sane, and you'll 
love it when you go back some years later and look over it. Remember where we've been. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look how far I've come. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank so. you for doing this. Oh, today. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to The Lead. This episode was produced by Nate Brammel and Noel Lashley, with special help from Keith Herndon, director of the Cox Institute at the University of Georgia. For more episodes with media leaders, go to soundcloud.com slash theleadpodcast or find us on Twitter at theleadpodcast.